we've had more than enough uh, this morning. Um, you get a lot of a lot has been coming your way, but we've been in a series on uh, Jesus' words in John 15, which is a metaphor of how we grow, and he uses a metaphor of growing a vine. And yesterday, uh, I was at Willow Grove, not Willow Springs, Willow Grove. It's a camp. Uh, it's not really, a, uh, we're not associated as a church, but we and our big give wanted to, part of it is serving, not just giving money, but serving and caring for organizations around us. And so kudos to you that showed up, especially I think we had, the little guy might have been five or six, is he six or seven? And then we had, uh, I won't say he was the oldest, but he was, Bill, Bill was there. And everybody in between, a whole bunch of people in between, men and women who came and showed up. And uh, we got the work done that they had, had uh, because so many people showed up, we got, not only did we get the work done they had for us for the morning, but we finished it so quickly, they said, oh, well, we, we got another job that we kind of don't want to do, and if you guys are here and you want to serve, we, we'll give it to you. And so they took us to the orchard, and we were, they said, here's these apple orchards, and we've been through and pruned them and thrown the branches all down, and now somebody needs to go and pick them up. <laughs> and so uh, we went and we were part of the orchard, cleaning up the orchard from the pruned branches. Now I found it kind of ironic that I would be walking through an orchard picking up branches and then preaching this sermon the next day. I kind of laughed. I said, God, like, talk about a... Uh, like a, a, a tool to use to teach me what you're doing as I'm picking up these dead branches and putting them at the end, and a whole bunch of us were, and then they, take, they had the fire going, and they take the branches and threw them in the fire. And so my mind was on this passage that we've been going through, John chapter 15, <clears throat> excuse me, verse 1. <clears throat> I am the true vine, says Jesus, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean. Think, keep this in mind. This is important for today. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Now remain in me, and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, says Jesus, and you are the branches. And if you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you don't remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers, and is picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. This is exactly what we were doing yesterday. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now I've been working through this passage, not uh, linearly, uh, but uh, thematically. So we looked at Jesus who is the vine, and we said, we discovered he gives life, a supernatural life that is not life you can find through anyone or anything here. It is a life that is divine and that God gives, and he, we learned he gives it how? Through his word. 
that as we get into his word, that we encounter him and he imparts life to us. It's a bit of a mysterious process, but Jesus is real. His spirit is real. We have his spirit within us. And so when we're in his word, we encounter the life of Jesus. Then we learn thematically that the father is the gardener and that he uses difficult painful things like we have just heard in order to prune us and make us more fruitful and that he is the one who walks among the trees and the vines and cuts the branches where the cuts need to be made when they need to be made. Only the father can do that and he uses our circumstances to do that. But then what about us? Jesus said, you're the branches. So what is it as our response? Jesus gives life through his word. The father prunes and cuts. But what's our job? I'm going to read a couple of verses. uh, So I want you to see if you can pick out (coughs) what our job is here. Remain in me, and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. Now, Six times a word was used there. Did you pick it up? The word was meno, or in English, remain. That's our job. When it comes to following Jesus, when it comes to growing in our faith, when it comes for this new life to begin to fill us and change us, our responsibility is to remain in him. Now the question is, what does that mean? Uh, when our boys were younger, we bought a dog for a pet. It was the smartest and dumbest dog I have ever seen at the same time. It was a, a standard schnauzer, so it was about 50 pounds. It was about that big. And the breeder took, when we got it, said, I can't sell you this dog unless you promise to discipline it because they are so smart that if you don't keep challenging it, it'll just cause trouble. And so my job was the constantly training him and and pushing him to new things. And one of the things I would do, we'd go on a walk, and he loved to walk, and we lived in a very quiet neighborhood on the street. And so we we would walk our circles about one and a half kilometers all the time. He couldn't get get enough of it. And so one time I thought I would teach him how to stay. And so we're we're walking along, I started, I turned around, said, Zeke, sit, and he sat. And then I said, stop. Stay, and I think this is the command, maybe it isn't, that's why he had such trouble with it. Stay, and uh, then I turned around to walk away, and I got about two steps, and he came trotting after me. And so I kept doing this on our walks. I would say, sit, stay, and, he, and then I kept, as the more I did it, the further away I could get, and then before he took off after me. So eventually, I got to the point where I would say to him, sit, stay, I just drop the leash, and then I would walk. and wouldn't even pay any attention to him. Crystal and I would be talking, and da, 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 da. And we got 100 yards away, and there he was still there, sitting, waiting, just leaning on his front feet, just, you know, everything shaking. Uh. And I would say, come, and then he'd rip down. And so that's what it means to 
remain. Stay in the place that I have put you. That's what it means to remain. Stay in the place that I have put you. Well, that brings up another question. What place? Remember I said in verse 3, track these words. Here's the place. Thank you very much, Mark. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. That's our place. You're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. I have preached to you the gospel. You have obeyed it, and now you are in me through your obedience to my words to you. What does it mean to remain in our place? It means to obey God and his word. And how do I know that's true? Look at verse 9. Right after this, Jesus kind of interprets this whole metaphor. And he says, as the Father has loved me completely, so I have loved you. In fact, I'm going to give my life for you as proof of my love for you. Now, here's our word, remain, stay in my love. Well, how do we do that? If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Remaining is not this, you know, we'll light some candles, we'll sing some worship music, and we'll let the emotions flow over us, and we'll be remaining in Jesus. It's not coming to a worship service or opening up our devotions, or like our, our Bible in the morning and praying and getting this sense that I feel the presence of Jesus. That is not remaining. Now, there's nothing wrong with either one of those two. But that's not what Jesus is talking about when he says remain. He's talking about obey. Obey my words to you. And he says obedience is the way we love him. Hmm. It's not complicated. Obedience is the way I love Jesus. In fact, say that out loud with me right now. Obedience is the way I love Jesus. Say it again. Obedience is the way I love Jesus. One more time, because not all of you are saying it. Obedience is the way I love Jesus. I want you to let that thought drill deep into your heart and your mind and carry it with you wherever you go the rest of your life that if you want to show and love Jesus, it's through doing what he says in his word. Simple. Now, you can obey out of duty. Well, I gotta obey or else everybody around me will think bad of me or you know, I wanna fit in or I don't wanna cause trouble. I mean, out of duty you can obey or you can obey out of love and that's what Jesus is talking about. You can buy flowers for the person you love on Valentine's Day because it's Valentine's Day or you can take Valentine's Day as an opportunity to express your love to them. Which love do you want? Yeah, I had to do it here. Or honey, I think so much of you. I just took this chance. I went and got these flowers. I picked them out special for you because you're special. 
And that's what Jesus is talking about. Obedience is the way that we show our love. And when we obey, what God then does in our lives is the fruit he's talking about here. Fruit is the righteous things we do are the actions or attitudes that come out of us because we have obeyed and now we do whatever it is we obeyed. Paul talks about some of that fruit in Galatians chapter 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That is some of the fruit that God produces. But fruit is any act, any attitude, any word we say as a result of obedience to Jesus. So, this is a regular theme in my life. Um, Believe me, the more you walk with Jesus the more you have to obey him. I didn't say that right. The more you have to obey him. Because you see more. You see things in your life, you go, oh, I never saw that five years ago. That has to change. That attitude's wrong. In fact, this morning I had to, while worshiping, I had to repent and confess because the spirit in my mind, I'm sure, maybe it was just me thinking it, but whatever, it was real. It was like, I stayed up too late last night, Jesus, and now I got a headache, and I can't really give myself to you like I should be this morning. Do you know what? I, I would never have confessed that five years ago. I would never even recognized. I would have come to church and said, oh, man, I gotta go to church. But obedience says, no, no. I'm here to express my love to Jesus, and I didn't come prepared. I'm sorry. This week, uh, I flew home last Saturday. We were Sunday. Crystal and I were out in BC visiting the kids and grandkids. (laughs) Oh, kudos to you who have little kids. Oh, my. I forgot and then I went and I was with a one-year-old and a three-year-old from Monday to Sunday every hour every minute of every day do you know that three-year-olds don't tell time papa get up huh then my son Maverick get out of that room He doesn't need to get up at 5.45. (laughs) Of course you love them. But those of you who have little kids, kudos to you ladies and men who have little kids and you pour out. It's just hard. It's worth it, but it's hard. Plus, I don't know if you noticed, I'm a few years older than I was when I had little kids. Right? But uh, I came home and I thought, oh, I got a week. Crystal stayed out. Uh, she's work works with Power to Change, and so she was working that all this week uh, in the head office out there. And so I had a whole week to myself, and I thought, oh, John, this is fantastic. <laughs> I thought I'm gonna, you know, I'll have time to work, and then I can come home, and then I can. I, have you found the all or nothings on Prime? Like they're 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 documentaries. They usually are about eight. 
one, one and a half hour sessions on sports teams and what goes on behind. And the last one I watched was on uh, actually Tottenham Hotspur. I hated English soccer. Now I love it. It's fantastic. And yeah, yeah. Who's winning? Crystal Palace? (laughs) Yeah, we have a brother who's watching the game while we're in this because, you know, we got... But I watched the one on Man City. Not Man United, Man City. I, they're my team now. I just love them. So I thought, I'm going to come home watch, I, and watch these. When I get time off, I'm going to sit down, watch more of these all or nothings. And then I can play some computer games that I really like to play, but I never seem to have time. And I, I was so excited. And then when I woke up Monday, I just sensed God saying, you need to fast from all entertainment, screen entertainment this week. I'm like, you got to be kidding. No TV, no games on the computer. Yes, you're going to have to use your phone in order to communicate, but no entertainment on the screen. I'm like, oh, the first, I was like, it is hard. Do you know how much TV and game are a part of our life? Yes, you know that. No, maybe you don't, because I didn't realize until I, st- I had to stop. And so all week long, all Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I had to say no to the screens. And the further I got into it, the more freer I felt. In fact, I, I go, I need to do this more often and maybe more regularly. Because I had time to read, I had time to work, I had time to finish some jobs around the house, I had time to like think about things. And do you know what I had to do on Friday? I had to bury a 50-day-old baby. And all through the week, I'm telling you, I didn't know how I was going to deal with that. I didn't know how I was going to do it. I didn't know what I was going to say. And all through the week, it was like these thoughts were bubbling up, and I would write them down. And God, because my mind was not distracted, I was able to hear the voice of God and be prepared for what God had called me to do. Had I not obeyed his prompting to fast, I would never have been prepared. And imagine the sadness of a a young couple bearing their baby and their parents and their pastors not prepared to care for them. The fruit that Jesus produces in us when we obey. Anything that happened at that funeral and through my interactions with the family was Jesus, not me. It was what he told me, and I just shared it. Obedience. Obedience is how I love Jesus. Now, maybe you, for you, obedience... Now, not maybe. <laughs> this is an issue for you. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is an issue for you. Because he tells you, remain. Remain. If you remain in obedience to me and my word, then I will produce fruit, more fruit, much fruit in you over your life as you remain in obedience. But it's, ah, I'm assuming you're a little bit like me. It's a challenge to always obey, right? It's a challenge. So maybe it's Jesus putting his hand at, you need to end that relationship. You need to end it. Or you need to reconcile that relationship. Either one of those is huge. Now step into obedience and start the process. I'm not sure I want to. You need to get a hold of your money. You need to 
give, start giving if you're not giving, or give more. I just had a, we're going to have an encounter video. A lady walked up to me and shared, uh, she had shared with me earlier in the year, God's prompting me, she doesn't have much money, God's prompting me to give more. And she walked up to me, this was about a year ago, nine months ago, and she walked up to me and said, I, got, I don't know how it happened, I got more money now than I ever had before I started to give more. But God's prompting some of you to obey, give, or to stop spending in areas of your life that's worthless. Obedience. God is prompting you to, you need to carve time in your life to, to spend time with me in your word and in simple prayer. So you can hear my word and know what obedience looks like. Or you need to take out a TV show or movies that you've been watching because they are polluting your mind and you can't hear from me. Or maybe even take the step of fasting from some of you. You're spending too much time on screens. You've got no time for what's important in your life. Or you need to step into, I've gifted you. you. I've given you spiritual gifts that are designed to encourage and strengthen others. And by the way, when you use them, they strengthen you. You need to step into serving. Or eliminate some habits in your life that are preventing you from caring for other people. I don't know what it is. Forgive, confess, uh, reconcile. Whatever it is that the Spirit is bringing up to you, obedience is how you remain in Jesus. And once you walk through that door of obedience, God begins to produce new fruit that glorifies him. That sometimes will amaze you in your life. He's that good. Unbelievable. So, what's our job? Remain. What's remain? Obey, obedience. My obedience is how I love God. It's the tangible way. I can say I love God, but the tangible way that you love God is obey his word. And this becomes an issue in our life almost daily. Am I going to do what God's asking or what I want or what I'm being pressured to do? What? One. And if I want to show love for God, I'm going to obey. What's the primary way that a wife shows she loves her husband? Faithfulness. What's the primary way a husband shows he loves his wife? Faithfulness. I'm going to obey my vows. Now, what if we don't obey. Well, this is where we come to this very difficult verse. Verse 6. If you do not remain in me, so if you don't obey, if obedience is not a pattern, a habit, a, a uh, characteristic of your life, you're like a branch that is Cut off, it's, it's not said in the verse, it's understood. Because how would it be thrown away if it wasn't cut off? So it's cut off, thrown away, 
and then it just dies and withers like the branches that had been cut off uh, in that orchard as I was picking them up they were dead and they were withering and they were ready to be burned and that's what he said those such branches are picked up thrown into the fire and burned so in this passage Jesus is telling us a metaphor about how you take care of vines and the the gardeners would First, young branches, we'd pick them out of the ground. If they were in the ground, clean them off, prop them up so they could start to bear fruit. Then they would come along and start to prune them as they got older. So the growth that wasn't producing fruit would be eliminated. And then the, the, the life that comes from the vine can go toward the fruit. But then as the Father works and moves in our lives, and as the life courses through us, if we go, no, I'm not interested in obeying you, I'm not interested in what God is doing in my life or wants to do in my life. I'm not going to obey. Now, not many of us say that. We don't just, oh, I'm not going to obey. But if you look back in your life, you go, yeah, I, I don't really care what God says. I'm going to do what I want to do. Well, then the scripture says at the time the gardener deems it appropriate, he cuts them off, throws them away. They're picked up and they're sent to the fire and burn. A very real metaphor of what hell is like. Now, let me just unpack that thought for a little bit. First of all, this is not what it means. It doesn't, Jesus isn't saying this. You better be perfect, because if you're not, you're going to get it. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is so hold on, why would you confess sin? Well, because you sinned. So if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to, what's the next word? Purify. Purify. Where have we seen that word? You're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. The, the work of Jesus purifies us from our sin, both when we first come to Jesus. So there's a point in everybody's life where they have to choose whether or not they're going to follow Jesus. We all have to make that decision. We have to admit, ABC, admit that we are a sinner, believe that the death and resurrection of Jesus cleanses us from our sin and pays for our sin, and then choose to commit our lives to follow God, to obey him. When we make that, that's all called repentance. When we make that decision, we enter into this new life that Jesus gives. When we obey his word to respond to his gospel and obey it and, and, and receive it, then we receive new life. But then I have found that this verse also applies to my day-to-day -day living. Because as I live, I have bad attitudes, I have bad actions, I say the wrong thing, I have the wrong motives, and I have to bring them back to Jesus and confess them. And then the blood of Christ and the work of Christ on the cross applies to me. A full Christian applies to me today. It applied to me this morning that Jesus' death still cleanses and forgives, makes me right standing with the Father as I obey, and then I'm back walking my way. That's the normal Christian life. I think Jesus and God are more interested in our desire to obey than our track record. I just let that absorb. Because we all have things we struggle with and fail at. And Satan uses those, the great accuser uses those to beat you down. But my experience with Jesus 
is he seems not to be so upset with my sin. What he's upset with is when I won't deal with it the right way. When I don't have a heart to want to confess and repent and obey him. That's where he really has the problem. He knows we're sinners. And we know that because he said your salvation has three major parts to it. There's justification where I apply all the work of the cross to your life and there's no sin left that God will condemn you for. Then there's sanctification. Hey, this is the walk that you do in your life while you're here on earth as you, you... Uh, walk toward me and obey me, I begin to change your life from the inside out. But then comes one more stage or final cap or phase of our salvation called glorification, where we are made perfect. And that doesn't happen till heaven. When we are either resurrected from the dead or we are caught up living and translated and changed, we will be given glorified bodies and souls and we will be perfect. And Jesus knows right now, Ed, you ain't a picture of glorification. So let's do the sanctification work. When I prompt you, you're in my word, you're sinning, confess, repent, obey my word, and I'll produce new fruit in you. So it's not talking about the regular walk of a Christian, but it is talking about a heart that will not submit to him. And some of us here may be in that, and I, I don't want to come across preachy, though I am preaching, <laughs> tough balance, but I want to come across honest. That to continue to hear the word of God and not respond in obedience to it means that eventually you're not going to produce fruit and that at the point the Father determines he's going to cut you off and throw you away. Now in our culture where God is love, this is the justice side of God. We don't talk about it a whole lot. Doesn't fit our culture, doesn't really fit our desires or emotions. But nevertheless, Jesus was very clear about this. That if you are not walking in a path of obedience, seeking to obey him, again, not perfection, but seeking to obey him and turn from sin that he points out in your life, then there will come a time, says Jesus, that I'll cut you off and throw you away. And so if you're here or listening to my voice and that is you, I really urge you to think about what you're doing. Think about what Jesus is offering you. The hope of eternal life and forgiveness of sins. But it takes a willingness to obey his word, to repent, confess, repent, and commit your life to follow him. I want to talk to those who are grandparents and parents who have probably older kids for the most part, but not necessarily, who show no fruit in their life. They prayed when they were in Sunday school. They prayed at the side of their bed. They prayed. They went to youth. But you see absolutely no fruit in, your life, in their life. So this would be my counsel to you. That's why prayer is your greatest tool. That you pray for your... Because their story, while they're here, their story is not over till it's over. 
And God is not done working. I have a friend, he's a mentor really, who says, my pray, I pray for my kids now, they're adults. I pray for them now because I think I'll be dead and gone when that answers to prayer. But I'm praying now because I'm asking God to move and work and bring them back to him. I'm counting on God's faithfulness, not my witty repartee, not my nagging, not my uh, uh, pressuring them. I'm, I'm, I'm putting my dollars down on God and his faithfulness in prayer. It's a powerful, powerful tool for those that use it. Now, there may come a time when you have to speak to that person, and God's spirit will guide you in that. But do not take a false hope in, well, they prayed a prayer when they were five. Instead, get serious with God and ask him to do a work in your child or grandchild or your friend's heart. Now, that's the kind of bad news. Here's good news. Anytime we repent, Jesus, because of his blood and his sacrifice, welcomes us back. There's no sin that we can't come back from. There's no attitude or action or thing we've done that he goes, eh, you crossed the line. If there's repentance in our heart and a desire to confess, repent, and then obey him. Always, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us or purify us from all unrighteousness. That's just a statement of how God works. It's up to you whether you're going to trust it or not. The other thing is, is get this. Every little act done in obedience to God is fruit that honors God. I hear this all the time. Well, I don't get to preach in front of people. Thank God you don't. I mean, from the side of, I don't know if you know what it takes to do this. But this isn't the epitome of fruitfulness. I can be as corrupt in my spirit and still preach as anybody. How would you know unless you have a spiritual gift of discerning a heart? Fruitfulness is any act of love or kindness or obedience in the name of Jesus. Fruitfulness is Springvale giving money. Some of you gave tens of dollars, some hundreds of dollars, some thousands of dollars. One person gave a hundred thousand dollars. I have no idea who they are, but they said, I'm going to match it up to 100,000. Well, we made them match it. But every act is an act of obedience to glorify. Every time you change an attitude that is wrong, I've been too ungrateful, that is a fruit, an act of obedience. Every time you apologize and confess to your spouse or to somebody you've hurt, that is fruitfulness. Every time you serve a baby in the nursery and pick them up because they're crying so their parents can be in here and, and listen to the word of God, fruitfulness. Every time you shut the TV off or turn the channel, every time you encourage somebody that's hurting, every time you go out of your way to notice somebody who's off to the margins and not being paid attention, fruitfulness, fruitfulness, fruitfulness. Every time you confess a sin, fruitfulness, obedience, every little act, we can just kind of bring fruit to Jesus in amazing ways in the little areas of our life, let alone the big ones. Every time you love your wife, 
Every time you respect your husband. Major fruit. It's not about this, me, you, getting to show people your gifts. It's about obedience to the word of Jesus. That is what he's looking at. (laughs) And we have the opportunity to love him by what? Obeying him. Say it one more time. Obedience is the way I love God. Let's go. Obedience is the way I love God. Closing up this whole series, we learn three things. Jesus is the true life and he speaks life through his word. How are you going to receive life if you're not in the word? You're in it right now, but about you know, Monday through Saturday, how are you doing? You gotta be in the word to know what it means to receive his life and to know how to obey. The father, we had a story of it with Gaber and Vitska, that, 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 that the father prunes us. It's not because they were doing anything wrong. My goodness, he was, both of them served in this church. He was an elder in this church. I mean, he was walking with God. And then look at what God brought into his life to take him to the next level of fruitfulness. And all hardship, all hurt, all pain, we can either look at it as, God, why don't you? Why are you doing it? Or we can trust him and say, God, I don't understand why this is going on, but I'm going to trust you that you'll bring good. Because he prunes. It's what he does. You can embrace it or you can resist it. So life comes from Jesus through his word. The Father uses our circumstances to prune us. And then we remain by obedience. As we're in his word, as, as we see what God's doing in our life through the difficult and painful as well as the good things in our life, and we obey what he tells us. That's how you grow. Two-thirds of the work is done by Jesus and the Father. Actually, probably even more than that. We just tap into it through obedience. Bow your head, please. Father, um, thank you for your grace in our lives. Thank you that you love us and you choose us and you want to produce an abundance of fruit in us. I want to pray for those sitting here that think they really have nothing much to offer God because too many people carry that around and don't realize every single act of obedience is fruitfulness. Strengthen them in their obedience. For those that are sitting here and you have major issues that they've been denying you about, I pray for courage on their part. And for those that have never taken that step to receive you as their savior I pray for you to draw them and for them to awaken to the love and the life you offer and to take the step of confession and repentance into life thank you for the truth of your word amen